0: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.
1: The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled the center field and deep. Back out of the seat, to the track, to the wall, it's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 to lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and
0: sit down for in depth interviews with the biggest names in the game.
2: The 2 2 now. Check swing on the slider, strike three. Chris
0: Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons.
3: Hi,
4: everybody, and welcome to our first full show in 2016. If you are new to this program, welcome aboard. This really is a unique look every week at Rays baseball from soup to nuts. Now, this time around, we're on location at the beautiful Guy Harvey Outpost of Tradewinds Island Resorts on St. Pete Beach. And among the guests you'll hear from on today's program, outfielder Kevin Kiermeyer, principal owner of the Rays, George Sternberg, plus learn a bit more about Allie Forsythe and Anna Boxberger, who this year head up Rays' Wives. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. When we return, you're going to hear from Kevin Kiermeyer and what would make 2016 a success for KK. Find out right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and for our first full program of 2016, our featured guest is one Kevin Kiermeyer. And, Kevin, it's amazing to me how far things have come for you in a few short years' time. I mean, next weekend... You're going to have two, not one, but two giveaways that are tied to your name, uh, the the platinum glove bobblehead, uh, and also the glove. If I would have told you when you had just got drafted that you're going to be not only at the big league level, but they're going to have giveaways tied to you, what would you have told me? I would, uh, I would have had to take
5: a few steps back, definitely. Um, I, the way I still describe my career thus far is just it can be very surreal at times, and even though... All of this, I feel, is meant to be, and I worked my way to get to this point. It's still um, a little crazy to think about, you know, all these promotions that the Rays do with with me and my name and, um, you know, the gold glove platinum, all this stuff. It's so cool, and I think any time a player gets awarded for individual accolades, I think it's a good thing for the team and the organization to market and just promote as well as you can and, um, just kind of give the fans a little something to look forward to. And I really appreciate the way with the Rays, how they have promoted me the last couple years. Uh, like I said, it's very surreal, but at the same time, I just say, you know, I just try to play hard and take care of my business the right way. And uh, sooner or later, you'll get some cool perks along the way. And this is just uh, one of the hopefully very many of my, my future where, um, you know, using my name and, and accolades to – to market them and, and be a reward for them. It's, it's just really cool for me.
4: And I know you're still such a, a humble individual, but are, of the three, are you involved in the creative process at all that are being done on you? I know there's a, a Kiermaier Claus bobblehead later this year. Are there any of you said, hey, that would be cool if, or this would be really nice? or?
5: The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is uh, last year when my first bobblehead was given out, they showed me a prototype before the season started, and it had blue eyes. I said, "Hey, as much as people want to say that I have blue eyes, I said my eyes are green. They really are. I have green eyes, and then sure enough, they changed them and they they did a little coloring and all of my guests and told the manufacturer to to make them green. And you know, I just was kind of thinking out loud to them, and they made it happen. But um, that was uh, the only slight adjustment I made to anything thus far. But I'm not I'm not real." Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very loose with all that stuff. I know it's hard to make it look like you and, and certain things like that, but I really don't know what to expect uh, as far as future promotions go and what they're gonna think of.
4: Growing up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I don't know how many major league games you got to as a kid, but do you remember having either posters or giveaway items or anything of that nature that stuck with you? Um,
5: I feel you know, I I was a, a Cubs fan when I grew up and we went to you know, maybe five or six Cub games as a family when I was younger, but I can't really remember any giveaways from, from there. But I remember uh, when I used to eat cereal, they had a bunch of little MLB players with these very um, bobbleheads. But like I said, they're in a cereal box. So they weren't super legit or anything like that. But um, you know, it's just like I said, it's just it's very cool to be promoted the way the Rays have the past year and a half, and um, I appreciate all they do for me. But, like I said, I think it just comes from how hard I play the game. And, you know, I respect that the fans enjoy me being here because I, I love it here. And, um, you know, like I said, any any promotion they can do with me,
4: I will gladly accept it and uh, just appreciate the, the support. You spend your off-seasons here as well. And I thought probably one of the neater things, at least from the individuals that you work with, is you work out with the University of Tampa baseball team. What do you think it means to them you're sitting there working out with them, and they see a major leaguer and how he works.
5: Well, I think they're all – I think – I know they enjoy having me around. I think, uh, for me, I can just put – go back a couple years. Even when I was in the minor, like minor leagues, we share the same weight room as Evan Longoria, Manny Ramirez, all these guys. And and, and we're minor leaguers, and we – it's really cool just to be right next to those guys, let alone at the college level. And, you know, a lot of these guys, they, they hit with um, – Various big leaguers throughout. There's a lot of guys who live in Florida because how nice it is. So, you know, they're not too. Um, I think the main thing for them is that they just think, you know, oh, this guy's a big leaguer, Gold Glove, like. But once once they get to know me, they're like, man, you're just normal as can be, and I like that because, like I said, I know where I came from, I know what got me to this point. I don't plan on changing my personality or the way I handle my business, but uh, I know that when those guys ask me a bunch of questions and. I can tell them certain points along the way. I think they really um, appreciate the advice from me. And, uh, like, I enjoy giving back any way I can. And uh, it's a very cool thing for me, too, because I was just in college six years ago. And um, it it seems way too long ago. But at the same time, uh, I just try to help guys out any way I can.
4: Kevin Kiermaier with us on this weekend, Race baseball. And Kevin, you, you mentioned you know being a minor leaguer not too long ago. You addressed the minor leaguers when they started camp this year. What was your message to them? What did you want to get across to them as they get started with their season this weekend?
5: I just wanted to let them know that you you don't really you don't get to the big leagues by surprise. You have to work your butt off each and every day. And I told them, I said, you know what? I, I watch guys as I was coming through the minor mm-hmm. leagues who were better than me at the time but they just a lot of guys that I saw who had good talent just kind of went through the motions and then they filter out and I just told him I said don't let that be you I said this is the greatest one of the greatest opportunities in life you're ever going to have playing pro baseball and I said why play if you don't want to get to the highest level Uh, I said you would just be wasting your time so I told him I said do everything for a purpose and the little things add up so I said don't ever take this for granted I said, this is the best life for me. I mean, this is what I feel like I was intended to do, so I can't speak for all the minor leaguers I was talking to, but I let them know that, you know, take this opportunity and try to run with it the best you can. If it doesn't work out, so be it. But at the end of the day, if you say you gave it your all, then, you know, you can live with yourself. But um, And then a few rules, like the pants down rule and the facial hair. You know, they Mitch Lukovics let me announce that rule to all them for the first time in race history. And I told him, I said, hey, they're letting you guys have facial hair i said clean it up make it look nice don't abuse this privilege same with pants down don't put it under your spikes and have holes in it and don't make them look all raggedy i said don't abuse this because they can take it away just like that and i said uh be very respectful to all the rules around here because uh they matter
4: indeed i'm curious what matters most to you in terms of things you can do in a game because you can have an impact in so many ways is it getting an extra base on somebody else, or taking away a base from someone because of what you did with a throw or a play defensively?
5: You know, there's a lot of people who always ask me, "Would you rather hit it or take it away?" For me, um, there really isn't a set answer. I think it just—I think for me, I'm going to make a lot more plays defensively, just because I think that's—that's that's where I can separate myself from others. But at the same time, offensively, I can do great things up in that batter's box at any given time. So for me, I think as kids we always we always dream of hitting that walk off home run or you know, walk off anything. But at the same time if you can take away a big hit in a big part of the game or throw someone out when it matters, that's an even better I I don't know which feeling is better, so for me I, I can't pick one over the other because they feel great, but any time you can help your team Especially in a crucial moment when you have that clutch factor, I think that's just a great feeling. And uh, you know, I had a few offensively and defensively last year, run the bases well, and they all they all feel great and get your adrenaline going. And that's one of the best feelings in, in baseball when you just you can't feel yourself, your feet hit the ground, or can't even feel the ball hit your bat because it, it felt so perfect. So those are moments that are irreplaceable.
4: Off the field, you've had a pretty good impact on kids, too. You're involved in the Water Smart from the Start program. Why get involved with that particular program? What does it mean to you? And you're obviously growing up in Fort Wayne, Indiana.
5: I just, I always try to have a connection with as much things possible on and off the field. And for me, I was I was like a little fish when I was younger. I was always swimming in my neighbor's pools, my grandpa's lake, and it was, it was hard to get me and my brothers and all of our neighbors out of the water and... Like I said, I have a connection to that. So for me to be a part of this program means a lot to me because it reminds me of my childhood. And at the same time, I mean, swimming is such a, a great activity to be a part of. It's 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 fun. It's good for your health, just being active like that. But also Florida is the number one state in uh, with drownings year after year. And it's all about, you know, water safety and, and pre- trying to prevent those as much as possible and educating kids on what to do and what not to do in the water. And um, any like I said, I, always, I, I love giving back any way I can, and I'm glad the YMCA reached out to me and let me be a part of this program. It's really cool.
4: And it's a great message you're sending, and I know you've been able to uh, be involved in a lot of cool messages. I mean, growing up in Indiana, we know what a big Purdue fan you are uh, and still are. Uh, how cool was it that you got to play horse? uh this offseason what did that mean to you because as a kid i'm sure that was a dream come true type thing
5: yeah we had a little uh all me and my brother and three of my best friends uh we had an all access tour at purdue and with one of the purdue greats his name is brian cardinal and he was he's known as a janitor. he was a scrappy player kind of like myself and had a 12 10 12 year career in the nba and um you know, he's, he wasn't a household name, but he always played the game the right way and was just a valuable guy and a great teammate. And uh, so when me and my brother and our buddies played horse with each other, and, I mean, me, I, me and my brother shot. All of our friends shot pretty well that day, but I was uh, I was feeling it behind the arc, and I was happy to just put on a good display for Brian Cardinal to see, like, hey, you know, I'm a baseball player, but I'm an athlete overall. I can I can still hey, – we got shooters in Indiana, and um, it was a lot of fun. Just the whole that whole day was really cool, and Purdue will always have a special play, place in my heart, but to be out there shooting around there and having all the access is really cool.
4: I don't think anyone doubts your athleticism, and the fact that you threw several times in the outfield at 100 miles an hour. Did you ever think of wanting to be on the mound and pitch? I know we've talked about your, your moment in high school, but is there ever a moment, you know, every – pitcher wants to hit is there ever a moment where Kevin says hey I someday I'd like to finish out a game if I could
5: yeah I mean if we were down by 15 or up by well usually position players again when when your team is down so I wouldn't be looking forward to those circumstances but at the same time I would like to see what I could I wouldn't try throwing in on guys I would see what I could hit on that radar gun consistently but at the same time not trying to hurt my arm so I'm always curious of that and I know I was clocked, uh, you know, a stat cast last year, but I want to throw a pitch and I want to look back at that scoreboard and see what it says. Um, I'm curious, but I I doubt I ever see the mound, uh, at least for the the near future. But maybe when I'm older and teams are like, all right, we'll we'll throw him out there and see what he can do. Maybe someday, but... uh, I don't think I'll be seeing that mound anytime soon.
4: No, you won't. And and I know that uh, our fans enjoy, obviously, everything you do in center field, and you've made it a priority to start at least 150 games this year. If this year is a success first for you and the team, what things need to happen?
5: Well, I think we – I know we have to be consistent throughout the whole year. Uh, I I hate talking about last year because it's over with, but at the same time we showed glimpses of us being really good, and we got out the gate to the start we won two we were 10 games over 500 and then we showed inconsistency throughout the whole year and especially in this division it's tough um if you're going to be inconsistent so for us we have to win the games where it's three to two two to one one to zero and we we just we need our pitching to keep us in the game and our offense is going to be good we're going to be so much more improved this year we just need to buy into each other and we will we have a great Great group, camaraderies, exactly where it needs to be right now. And, uh, you know, I know this is going to be a fun season for us, but, um, you know, we all want to stay on the field, stay healthy, and contribute any way we can. And, um, like I said, just buy into each other and make every game count.
4: Well, good luck in doing that. I know uh, you've given a lot of thrills to raise fans so far this season and many more to come. Thanks for a few minutes. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate you. That's Kevin Kiermeyer joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball. We continue after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons today from the Guy Harvey Outpost of Tradewinds Island Resorts on St. Pete Beach. Certainly has been an interesting first week of the season, to say the least. And joining me now from Baltimore, I would assume he's hopefully warm and in the press box as he joins us. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Time Stopper, thanks for a few minutes.
6: No problem. A little bit warmer. I'm hiding out here in the uh, booth with Dave and Andy where they have the glass closed. Make sure that's duly noted.
4: <laughs> and a smart move, I think, on their part based on the the temperatures early this morning, right at the freezing mark, and probably still not yet, what, much above 40?
6: No, it's still uh, in the high 30s, and it feels like is uh, I think it's ebbed into the low 30s from the 29. That was the highlight of my day so far.
4: How surprised were you that said, Mark, that they actually tried to get this one going last night, being that Washington, which is not that far away, decided at what, 1230 in the afternoon not to
6: play? Yeah, Andy, I mean, I, excuse me, Neil, I'm not sure that I, I fully grasped the thought process that the Orioles used yesterday because the best, well, the best case scenario, the best case was it was going to be really cold and really windy and damp. And it turned out to not even be that because they got another round of precipitation in there. They finally gave up and kind of put the white flag up around 740 when that other wave of wintry mix came in. But I, I don't really understand why they thought they were going to get it in to begin with. And obviously Drew Smiley, you know, the most frustrated, I think, among a number of Rays just because he warmed up and basically you know, blew a start because of that.
4: Indeed, and it means that they jumbled a rotational pitch against uh, Cleveland. It's kind of a broken up first week because you had – uh, no game yesterday. You had an off day, which you knew you had a lot of off days this month. What are the impressions of this first week that are going to stick with you?
6: Well, you know, I think if you look back just at the you know the four games against Toronto and the one game they did play against Baltimore, I think a couple things that stand out obviously are, you know, even with all the talk of adding offense, the Rays, at least at this point, are going to be a pitching, pitching-oriented team, and it's going to be the focus right now as far as, you know, they're going to have to win or lose with pitching. That's the idea. And, you know, they haven't added enough offense yet where it's going to make a difference. So, yeah, I think the, I think the idea – Dave couldn't resist joining your show there. I think the idea is that, yeah, you know, they're still going to play a lot of tight games.
4: <laughs> you're, you're right on that end, and uh, I'm glad that Dave wants to be on the program. Uh, let's And, yeah, and you mentioned starting the, for, pitching.
6: For the, first, for the first time, right?
4: <laughs> <laughs> starting pitching-wise – Um, Chris Archer, I found out today that I was actually either comical or a comedian. Uh, Explain what he said this morning. And are you at all concerned by the numbers from him the first two starts?
6: Yeah, you know, I I, I understand what Chris Archer meant, and I don't think he meant to imply that you can, like, start a stand-up career or that you're going to soon need to start a stand-up career. But I I, I think that, you know, he's finding it amusing that people are – you know, so concerned, and I'm I'm a guilty party as well. I mean, I wrote the lead note in today's Tampa Bay Times about that, and you know, the headline you know, also that they're not overly concerned. And talking to Jim Hickey, who admitted that you know you have concern from his perspective any time a starting pitcher struggles. And and Hickey said he would like to see a little more velocity from Archer. So these are not unfounded points that that you made, or that I made, or that others have made. But you know, Archer was a little defiant about it and said he finds it comical. People are raising questions. He is down a couple ticks. He pointed out you know that he was pitching in cold weather, which was obvious on Friday night. So. Yeah, I think the answer to this and the resolution to this whole issue is if he goes out and pitches really well, whether it's Thursday against Cleveland or the next time after that, you know, which would probably be in Boston, you know, once he goes out and pitches really well, people will stop asking. But, you know, there's been, you know, Buck Martinez, the esteemed Blue Jays broadcaster, uh, said something on their broadcast today. He thought Archer didn't look right. You know, some fans have suggested he's been looking at his hand. He's this and that. So it's going to, you know, when you get good, that's part of what comes with the gig here is your uh, performance gets picked apart when you have a bad day or a couple bad games.
4: No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, you did a, a really nice piece today, uh, and I, I encourage people to read, whether it's online or, or grab their newspaper in the Tampa Bay Times, about replay and the Rays' tied to replay. And inevitably, this first week, uh, replay was a big part of it.
6: It was, and it's funny because the Rays' role in the replay history is actually really significant to the fact that they were involved in the first, uh, essentially the first replay reversal based on the new second-base slide rule was not, totally unfounded because they were involved in the very first replay call ever when uh, MLB started experimenting with it toward the end of the 2008 season uh, where Alex Rodriguez hit a ball and the question was whether it was a home run or not. And then they were also involved uh, a couple weeks later in the first ever replay reversal, which was involving a ball Carlos Pena hit, whether it was fan interference or not. And I went back and looked at those articles I wrote back then. And and, uh, Joe Madden, actually, the former Rays manager, had made a really interesting point, which was He actually, and I think he was right, that one of the reasons MLB implemented replay, it was odd to do it for the last month of the season, but he said part of that was because they were concerned knowing there would be postseason games at the Trop, between the catwalks, between the low fences, between the ability for fans to reach over and touch balls and play, that they wanted to have some type of system. And that was the old system. That's when the umpires had to all run off the field and go look at the monitor in, in behind the visiting dugout in the groundskeeper's room, Dan Moeller's room, down there at the Trop.
4: Things have changed an awful lot, and I'm sure in terms of replay, it's going to continue to change. Um, one of the other big things that happened this week was Rob Manford being here. What were the big takeaways you took away from Manford being here and maybe Stuart Sternberg's comments we're going to hear from Stu a little bit later on in the show?
6: Well, I I thought the biggest takeaway, Neil, was that Rob Manford, the commissioner, made it very clear that there are some people in Major League Baseball, some of their owners, some doubters, people who don't think baseball is going to work in the Tampa Bay area. But but the biggest takeaway was that Rob Manford made it clear that uh, as long as Stu Sternberg – Believes it can work that, that Rob Manfred and the rest of Major League Baseball will stay behind him. You know they're not going to start steering him in another direction or tell him to give up. You know if, if Stu Sternberg can at the Tampa Bay area and, and he has remained very committed publicly to that, that Rob Manfred and MLB will be behind him.
4: And then on the field, uh, maybe the biggest surprise of the week, the way the bullpen has worked so far to this point. I know the starters haven't pitched as well as you would expect, but you really couldn't ask for the bullpen to be any better.
6: No, I mean, Ryan Webb had some nerve to give up a, a, a couple of runs on that home run because he's the only one. The bullpen pitch really well. I mean, any Romero, I think, spaced 10 batters and got them all out. And that shows you how wise Jim Hickey is because he told a couple of us at the end of spring training any Romero could be the X-factor this year and uh, certainly off to an impressive start. So, yeah, they've had a mix and match. Now, one thing you know, I think you have to point out, though, is you know there actually has not been a classic save situation yet. I mean, the two games that the Rays won – were both games where they had a pitcher in. It was Colome one night and then Erasmo the next night. And then they took the lead in the eighth inning, and that pitcher stayed in and finished the game. So what we haven't seen yet is a pitcher just come in you know, to protect, a you know, a one- or two-run lead in the ninth inning. Maybe that happens today, but, you know, just to see how they use the bullpen in kind of a default mode.
4: Well said, Mark. Good stuff as usual. Uh, stay warm. And we certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in Race Baseball.
6: All right, well, I'll just hang out with Dave and Andy since they have the windows closed again. <laughs>
4: Well stressed. Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times. Again, you can go to Times underscore Rays on Twitter to follow him and good stuff in today's Sunday Tampa Bay Times. Well, we thank Mark and now turn our attention to the Rays minor league season, which started uh, on Thursday. And joining now the director of minor league operations, Mitch Lukovic. Mitch, great to have you on again. Tell me in your mind, we're only a few days in, but what in your mind are the big stories in the Rays system uh, as we come out of camp and get, st- get things started?
1: Well, Thanks for having me, Neil. Uh, I'm here in Durham and the weather's a little bit chilly here, just the same, but probably not as bad as it was in Baltimore. But I think the big takeaway is how our teams are prepared to play out of spring training. I thought, uh, and it's kind of hard to evaluate spring training, but our players had much more energy throughout. We brought all of our players in uh, at the same time, which was at first. Our pace was a little bit uh, slower and less uh, frantic and We have less injuries to to break camp, which is always a a good thing. But uh, the energy level and some of the performances in some very cold weather have been impressive.
4: Mitch, let's start with Durham since you are there. You know, the thing that I look on that roster, we'll begin with pitching because that's what the Rays are, are made of first and foremost, is the fact that you have... Uh, three really talented arms starting the year in Durham, In and Matt Andries who's been there, Blake Snow, who was the top prospect in the organization, one of the tops in baseball, and a kid that maybe a lot of our race fans don't know about, and Jamie Schultz, who've all made starts in the first three days.
1: Well, Blake Snow's start, you-, you talk about some bad weather conditions, not only the cold, you know, rain was coming down throughout the game, but the wind at times was gusting at 20 miles per hour. He, uh, you know, he showed what he always shows, and he kept his composure throughout the game. And when he had to dial it up, he dialed it up. And Matt Andrees pitched like a big leaguer. What can you say? You know, all his pitches were working. The command was well. And last night, Jamie Schultz, you know, first outing in AAA. you got to give him credit. Um, very cold weather. Hung in there, gave up two solo home runs uh, in the fifth inning and went out of the game down 2-1. to one, but, but showed that... Uh, what all we know and show that for his first start, he has a lot to build on.
4: And I think, Mitch, the other encouraging thing as you look at your Durham roster is there are a lot of homegrown kids now who are in a position to help the big league club if and when there's a need. Taylor Motter, uh, Mikey Matuk, uh, Luke Maley, um, and, and Daniel Robertson, who you got in a trade, but you look up and down and you've got a lot of guys who are in position to help if needed, uh, many of whom came through the system.
1: Well, that's gratifying to all of us in player development, certainly scouting and pro scouting, how we and all the guys and how we, we get our players. But uh, you know, I rarely address ball clubs, and uh, yesterday I addressed it, our Durham ball club, and I and and it was really obvious in two days that I was here. Of course, it was before our third game, and uh, that you can see the players on the field that can be a help to our major league team, like you said, Richie Schaefer, Taylor Motter, and Dreese. Um, and you and I have just mentioned a few There, are much, much more. Mikey Monto comes to comes to mind. And, and one, that we have that talent and the talent that was raised in the farm system, too. It's a very competitive team here. But equally and more importantly, the character, the work ethic, and the approach of, of the mix of six-year free agents plus our our own players that we have signed. It's a, it's a wonderful group of young men that uh, we look forward to, you know, playing the rest of the season.
4: Again, we're chatting with Mitch Lukovic, director of minor league operations for the Rays. And Mitch, as we moved down a rung to the AA level in Montgomery, what stands out to me looking at the roster is not only the, the potential in terms of talent, but the youth of the talent. With kids like Jake Bowers, Willie Adamas, Kian Wong, I mean, they're very young for this league at, what, 20 or 21, depending on who we're talking about.
1: It's always good. You know, youth is very important. Uh, Skills even more important. But when you have the youth and the skill, that's a great combo. Montgomery's got off to a little slow start um, with those young kids, primarily because it's the first time for most of them in that league. We all say that's starting the men's league when our players get to double-A Montgomery. But uh, we have some great pitchers there with Jake Faria winning 17 games last year, certainly Taylor Guerrero, Ryan Stanek to too. Uh, to mention a few, but when you said youth, you said Willie Abadie. you said Game One. You can say Jake Cager. You can say Jake Bowers, and uh, uh, that 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 bodes well for the future.
4: Indeed. Uh, and then you move down to the kids who are in A ball. Let's start with High A Charlotte. I know Brent Honeywell got off to a good start, uh, leading the rotation in Game One. And you've got some kids there who played very well in Australia, who are now at the High A level.
1: Well everybody mentions Brent Honeywell and certainly he has the stuff to to do very good things and uh, we have to have patience with him he needs to focus on focus His stuff's good and the and the future's bright but the three kids you mentioned about uh, Raylan Jackson, Justin Williams and and Riley Unrow, you know all went down to Australia. Of course Nick Schufo's on the team too came home with a, a broken finger. We're hoping that experience in Australia in Australia you get a you yeah, you get a dose of off-speed pitches when you're behind in an the count. As hitters, you have to learn a lot of patience with this, and hopefully with those three, they have learned that. They seem to have grown up. They're physically better. They're mentally better, and we hope that carries on then through our uh, stone crab season.
4: Mitch, as I look at the the, um, Bowling Green Hot Rods, uh, the youngest group or the lowest level team among your full season clubs. What stands out to me is that 11 of the 25 guys on your opening day roster uh, came from either the Dominican or Venezuela. How gratifying is that that you're now starting to see more and more kids, it seems like a a high number to me, are coming from your system uh, from Latin America?
1: Well, it's very gratifying, Carlos Rodriguez and and Bobby Heck and the guys and Steve Miller have been down there working really hard acquiring, you know, the right raw resource. And you can see with our bowling green club, we're starting to, to reap the, you know, the benefits uh, of their hard work. Jose Alvarado topped out at 100. He was 197. But more importantly, it was the control because as hard as he throws, sometimes control is an issue. Did a nice job with control and uh, with Diego Castillo. Uh, same thing. Big power arm, young need to experience but we're getting more skill um, we're getting more tools're getting better bodies, better athleticism coming from Latin America and we look in the future to add a few of those guys to as you mentioned any Romero and, and Alex Colomne.
4: And another guy that I heard about uh, who you got in a trade um, from the states is a guy who came in the Corey Dickerson trade who hit a home run already in the first series and that's Kevin Padlow. What can you tell us about Kevin since he's new to the organization?
1: Big power. I don't don't think we ever had a minor league player hit as many home runs in spring training, albeit it is spring training, um, than than Kevin Pavlo. Kevin Pavlo has great disposition on top of having wonderful, raw power. He's a baseball player. He likes to play. We have to shore up some things on the defense with his footwork, and Jimmy Hoff and Hector Torres have been working on a little bit with the throwing. But you can't take away the raw power that this – young, young guy. As I believe he's 19, but he's big, he's strong, but he loves to play, and he has that right disposition to take on this tough
4: game. Mitch, great stuff. We appreciate a few minutes from Durham today. Best of luck throughout the minor league season. We'll chat with you soon.
1: Great, Neil. Thanks for having me.
4: Again, that's Mitch Lukovic, Director of Minor League Operations for the Rays, and as we continue on this week in Rays Baseball, coming up, hear from Rays principal owner Stuart Sternberg and much more. We're at the Guy Harvey Outpost of Tradewinds Island Resorts on St. Pete Beach. And you're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solo from the Guy Harvey Outpost of Tradewinds Island Resorts on St. Pete Beach. You know, anyone who works in baseball knows it's the wives who often do the heavy lifting whether it's players coaches front office even the broadcasters during the course of the season uh, many of those raised wives work together throughout the 2016 season and seasons much prior they do great community work heading up the organization that being Allie forsyth and anna boxberger now when i sat down with ali i first asked her what it meant that her husband logan had signed a multi-year deal with the race
7: we were, honestly, we were in shock. We were so excited though. Um, it all happened so quickly and it was, it was actually on his birthday. And so I had like plans and we were meeting all of our friends at a bowling alley and then it was like, just kidding, change of plans. We're going down to Florida. And I think it all just happened so fast. And, um, but it was, it was an amazing feeling. And then once it all kind of sunk in, it was just, we, we haven't had that in baseball. We, you know, just, it's always kind of been a year by year thing. And, I mean, already in the season, it's a totally different vibe. It's a different feeling, and I mean, for him, I feel like it's just it's calmed him down tremendously. So,
4: what's the journey been like? I mean, you were you've been with him since college, so you've kind of seen every step of the way.
7: <laughs> um, it's I mean, it's been fun. He's he's had injuries, and he's you know, but I, he's always worked so hard, and um, it, it wasn't until he's. Older than I am, but it wasn't until I had graduated that I had gotten to move out to San Diego with him and kind of did that. But you know, at the same time, he was battling injuries and um, with them with the trade, that was crazy. Um, But I think coming here was like the best thing that happened to him. It just, he got you know, really comfortable here. And then with, you know, being able to kind of play every day last season, and it was the best thing that happened as far as his career goes.
4: <laughs> you are a former athlete. You played soccer at the University of Arkansas. He's told me that he thinks it helps to be with someone who kind of understands what he's going through when he was coming back from injury, the grind, that sort of thing. Do you think it, it's a real benefit to your relationship that you've both been through things, you know, athletically?
7: Um, yeah, I think it definitely has to help. Um, there's times where you want to talk, and there's times when you don't want to talk, and I think I can pick up on those pretty easily. And um, But then just also the day in and day out, like long seasons, like I, I get that. I mean, obviously soccer is a lot different from baseball, but, um, yeah, I think it, we can relate. Or I can relate to him and what he's going to because I was, you know, not obviously at this level, but doing it at any point, I think you, you kind of – feel where they're coming from.
4: And I would think for you personally, it helps to have something that, you know, you guys know where you're going to be. And you can get involved more in the community. So what are some of your passions and things that you're going to want to do with the Raised Wives this year?
7: Um, well, we have so many things coming up this year. i um, really excited. Obviously, the, the events that they've done in the past, the Rays on the Runway and um, Mystery Ball and um, to kind of go on the sports side of things. We're trying to team up and maybe get something going with um, all children's hospital kind of it's still in the works right now but possibly a wives game of some sort with one of the other teams um so that will be really exciting but uh we also we have i was a nutrition major and so we have this opportunity with the edible peace patch here in st pete and i'm really excited to get going with that because i think nutrition like a huge one and just being knowing that we're going to be here you can put more time and energy and just things and you know get more involved it makes things a lot easier
4: how about the group of you? I mean, what is the rapport like with the group of the Rays' Wives, and how much do you help one another during the season?
7: I don't think we could make it through the season without each other. I mean, because no one understands baseball, like the families that, you know, are involved with it and um, kind of the day in and day out stuff. The group of girls here are amazing. I mean, you can pretty much call up anyone on the team, and if you need something, they're going to be there for you. But um, it's a great group, and I, I honestly, and it's been – plenty of times now at this point where i've called someone up and i'm like i need help will you watch my dog will you come over?" you know it's just it's they'll anyone will do anything basically
4: and that's allie forsyth who already had a pretty good bond with anna boxberger since their husbands came over from the padres organization in a trade now anna is for the first time adjusting to her husband brad being on the dl and i asked her about that challenge
8: It's definitely been a humbling experience for him and our whole family. Um, Brad's a gamer, and he's competitive. And having to sit on the sidelines um, has definitely made him a little anxious. Um, I always say it's like having a golden retriever that hasn't been on a walk in two weeks. Like, he's just... He's ready to get back out there. But as a family, I've, we believe that God has a plan and that this time in our life is to build our patience and build our appreciation of the game, and that's exactly what we're doing.
4: The other thing is you do have a one-year-old, and I know it's it's not good to see him on the DL, but I guess the good in it is that he spends more time, a little more time with his daughter than he normally would this time of year.
8: Yeah, and um, he's able to be there um a little bit more than normal. Um, he has to be at the field a little bit earlier every day to do his rehab assignment. So that kind of um, does cut into the day a little bit and makes her 645 wake-up calls a little bit more annoying. But, um, but yeah, when the guys are on the road, he's going to be able to spend um, some time with her, take her out to the beach and stuff. So so we appreciate that aspect of it for sure.
4: I certainly can understand that. from. From the standpoint of, you know, you and Allie are both kind of heading up the race lives, did you know each other when you were with the Padres organization? And how much easier did it make it to come over here if you, in fact, did already know one another?
8: Um, Yeah, we actually were really close. Um, Allie and I have a lot in common. And um, we actually were on a group text message the day the boys got traded. And um, a mutual friend of ours kind of broke the news that, that Logan was was going to be coming here and I jokingly said hope Brad's not next and it wasn't 10 minutes later um, Brad was next so so we already were linking up and it's made the transition a lot easier for sure
4: and obviously Brad's still very early in terms of his you know his major league career so you have still several years you can end up here with the Rays so what does it mean to be part of the Rays Wives and be so active?
8: Um, the wives here are a really a unique group. Um, we're all uh, really similar in what drives us. Um, it's an eclectic group. We all have different backgrounds and educations and careers, but um, we're all very down-to-earth. And so we all click. We all work together to kind of accomplish common purposes. And so being able to stay here and keep this core group of women, um, even the last couple of years, has been really special and really unique.
4: What about your passions? Uh, Allie told me about her being a nutritionist. What are some of the things you enjoy and are really truly excited about doing this year
8: um especially since becoming a mother um, being an advocate for children is is really important to me Um, organizations such as the hope home and all children's especially um, when you have a child of your own knowing what these people are going through when a child is sick um it's pretty heartbreaking and so uh just being there for other families and other children that need help um just any way that i can is is definitely something that drives me
4: for our fans who are listening what are some important dates events that you want to make sure they're aware of
8: Um, We've got a big one coming up on April 17th. That's our Pet Pals event, Um, and we're going to be um, doing a spring cleaning drive, so when you come to the ballpark, bring any items that you want to kind of get rid of. Um, Think garage sale items. Bring them to parking lot 6 and 7, and we'll be taking them to give to the Pet Pals Animal Shelter thrift store, and all the proceeds of those sales go right back into the shelter. Um, So it's a huge, huge event for us. Um, It's also Dog Day in the Park, so you can bring your own furry friend that day. Um, And we also have June 29th, Rays on the Runway. That's a five-star event we do. The players participate and walk the runway um, with children from the uh, Children's Dream Fund. Um, So that's something to look out for when you're able to get your tickets. And then um, July 30th, we have our annual mystery ball. Um, You can come to the ballpark and purchase... uh, bags that contain a ball signed by a vast array of players, both race players and other team um, players. And uh, once again, all that money goes to all children. So all of our events always benefit great causes right here um, in St. Pete and Tampa um, so we're really proud
4: of what we do, and that's Anna Boxberger. You can learn more about what the Rays' wives are doing in Tampa Bay and other Rays community events, for that matter, at RaysBaseball.com/community. Now, one such community event involves Jackie Robinson Day, where the Rays are involved in several programs in and outside of the ballpark. In fact, Rays President Brian Old told me what's coming up this week.
2: On the Saturday following the April 15th Jackie Robinson Day game, actually, we'll be doing community projects in both St. Petersburg and Tampa. In St. Pete, we'll be visiting the Police Athletic League in Midtown, doing a beautification project, and we'll be doing something similar at Ray Park in West Tampa. Should be a great way for us to uh, reach out to the community with some of our season ticket holders and employee volunteers doing some really good work.
4: And on on Jackie Robinson Day, you've got a number of great things going on in the ballpark, part of a Breaking Barriers program.
2: Yeah, we've worked really hard to cooperate with Major League Baseball in recognizing um, the Breaking Barriers program and and the nine core values that Jackie Robinson stood for, uh, among them teamwork, determination, courage. And so we'll be representing, uh, we'll be recognizing, I should say, nine African-American leaders in our community who stand for those particular values. And it should be a really, really nice, warm ceremony. Um, We're thrilled to have a lot of the African-American community join us for that game. And I'm very grateful to our organizing committee and the committee and the African-American community political and community leaders in, in our midst who have helped us put the, pull this day together. And most of those folks who are being recognized were also nominated, correct? Yeah, each of them was nominated. There was a selection process. It was pretty competitive, actually. There's a lot of uh, great people doing a lot of great work in our community. So we're thrilled to recognize these particular nine on the field before the game and uh, and have them join us on this great day. And I know if our fans want to be part of Jackie Robinson Day at the Ballpark, you guys have also created a special ticket offer for that day as well. I believe that's right. Two tickets for $42. Uh, great seats. We hope uh, lots of fans will come out. Uh, get a couple tickets from us, and uh, help us celebrate Jackie's legacy.
4: That's race president Brian Ald. Now you can learn more about the plans for Jackie Robinson at Tropicana Field and those special ticket offers at com slash 42. That's the number 42, by the way. And as we get set to close out our first show, it really wouldn't be complete without our annual chat with race principal owner Stuart Sternberg. And I asked Stuart about what needs to happen for 2016 to be a successful year on the field.
3: Health. Uh, anytime we could be in a position uh, starting a season as we are right now and if we could have a healthy team know that we're going to be contending well into September that's all we could ask for there were a lot of changes made
4: during the course of the offseason from a ball club standpoint what were you most excited about going into the season regarding the changes
3: uh, definitely, our left-handed bats. Uh, last year, we did a great job hitting left-handed pitching. We really, uh, you know, we had our most success against left-handed pitching last year. We knew we had to make some uh, some moves on the left-handed side of things, and really, to a man, the people we brought in, in addition to a right-handed bat, and Steve Pierce. Uh, we expect to make a difference. Look, it's not going to turn us into the Blue Jays as far as the way we crush baseballs. But uh, if a pitching holds together like anything like it did last year, the job that the hitters can do this year is uh, it's going to be fun to see.
4: To me, you also made a change, which I think fans should be excited about from a business model. And that is, you know, you went with what you thought were going to be the best 25 guys for opening day that can help you throughout the season. You even moved on from James Loney, who did a lot of great things. But you said, hey, this is, you know, regardless of the contract, we're going to go with what works best.
3: You're Rivera as well, uh, but yes, we, as people will know it's pretty much we do take that approach. We're not immune to making mistakes, and we've made some very expensive mistakes in the past. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, want to term James, uh, you know, mistake here. He had some great seasons with us. We, we, uh, we first brought him on, you know, at, a, at an extremely reasonable salary. He way outproduced his salary. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he had some injuries of what last year. But when we look at the team, and we thought it put us in the best position to win this year, both at the catching position and uh, at first base. That's what we did.
4: On opening day, you also had Commissioner Manfred here.
3: What does that mean to you to have him here and obviously also in Cuba? He's focused. He's focused on our situation. You know, Bud certainly wanted to see uh, things improve here, needed to see. But Rob has heard a lot from the owners. And Rob, you know, internally with his people, they look at things and they know that... W- the type of field and the, ty- uh, the type of product we're putting on the field and the type of experience we're providing and given our great television ratings and radio ratings that it should translate better into the seats. And he wanted to get a real first hand look here. He was here on uh, sellout opening day and it was the place was buzzing. And if it could be like that on many days, you know, we, we wouldn't, we'd stay right where we are for the next 50 years. Obviously, you're going to be – you're very active in
4: terms of the – on some of the committees regarding ownership. Collective bargaining agreements are
3: coming up for the next one. What are the things you'd like to see that would help the raise and other small market clubs? Well, the one thing I've been preaching uh, since well before I was on any committees, but goes back 10 years, is a, is a remodification of the amateur draft system. Uh, and that was that was when we were drafting first, even. Um, clearly, you know, from 2008 through last year, we had been picking mostly in the 20s. And teams like the Cubs, the Red Sox, uh, and this year the Phillies drafting number one. You know, teams who've got payrolls that consistently, you know, at the upper end of, of things. Uh, teams that can sign Cubans for $75 million and whatnot. Uh, when they're drafting there and we're drafting in the 20s, you cannot do that consistently in our shoes or the Royal shoes or the Pirate shoes or the Indian shoes. Brewers, Drews, teams that have been successful on the field and were penalized at the draft year after year.
4: Chris Archer has become a face of not only the Rays or one of them, but also Major League Baseball. He pitched on opening day. What does he mean to your franchise,
3: and what does it mean to have someone who's so uh, socially active and active in causes? It's huge. I mean, obviously the first thing is the guys have to produce on the field uh, because the fans won't pay as much attention to them, right? If, if Arch last year had been a number 5 starter and kicking around, all the great work that he did, which he would do regardless, you know, and Chris, uh, it, it would still be there, it would just go a little bit less notice. And the fact that he can set such a great example uh, for the game of baseball and as an individual, especially what he does around here in Tampa Bay, and now he's gone nationally quite a bit on ESPN, on, uh, you know, during the playoffs, and I think we'll see more of that. It's outstanding. And, we, and Evan has been the same way. A lot of the guys, Kiermaier now, uh, we've been fortunate to have some, as you call, faces of the franchise. And Evan has been with the organization 10 years now. David Price was here for a long time. Um, you know, players have uh, finite careers, and we like to keep the great ones here as long as we can.
4: We now have Evan's restaurant represented here in the ballpark with Duckie's here as well. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the interaction and those guys and how impactful they are.
3: You've had time to reflect now on the trip to Cuba. I know they all enjoyed it. What did you appreciate most about that trip? Uh, other than the fact that there were no cell phones, uh, it really, I'll tell you, it was startling. It was stark as well, you know, how it is you can go through a couple of days with, with, with very little cell phone service and how refreshing it was. But about it, I, I was, uh, granted, we were sort of uh, handled and put in the best areas, so to speak. But I was very surprised um, at how uh, vigorous things were down there. And, you know, I don't want to say the economy, but, you know, how people were generally comfortable, at least the ones we saw. But the thing that really got me the most was the incredible love of the game of baseball. I mean, deeper, as, as deep as I've ever seen anywhere.
4: Uh, hopefully it continues to push onward and onward there and throughout the throughout the world. We still haven't announced, I know we've done some great things with the ballpark, but you haven't announced concerts. So if money was no object, whether it's, your, how about your daughter, who your daughter would want to see and who you'd want to see at the ballpark?
3: Well, you, you can't say no to Adele or Taylor Swift, right? So, and I tell you, I would like to, I'd like to see them also. So my, my daughter uh, would, would say yes to those who, as would I. Uh, but, you know, on the other side of it, you know, Springsteen would be, you know, my dream concert to have here, and I actually saw him a couple of weeks back. I'm going to see him again. guys guy's going to be 67 soon, and he put on a three-hour and 40-minute show without an intermission. It, I, I hope I – it's crazy. It's just crazy. <laughs> well, great to see you at the ballpark. Hopefully maybe a show like that to come either here or at the next – Rays Ballpark. Uh, well, we can always dream, right? Absolutely. Thanks. And uh, let's go, Rays. Thanks for everybody listening in.
4: And that is Rays Principal Owner Stuart Sternberg. You know, you can celebrate Kevin Kiermaier's Platinum Glove Award with a special pregame ceremony on Saturday, April the 16th. Fans can get a collectible bobblehead presented by Dex Imaging. You can call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today. Rays up. I want to thank all the guests on today's program, starting with the principal owner of the Rays, Stuart Sternberg, also Kevin Kiermaier, as well as Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, Mitch Lukovic, Ali Forsyth, and Anna Boxberger, and Brian Altu. too. If you have something you'd like to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Thanks to our producers as well, Jason Berenger, Trey Downey, and John Milo. This is the Rays Baseball Network.